it was a car manufacturing business over here in Australia. And they, they used to have like 150 clients that they provide bumper bars for or something. Don't really specific details. All of a sudden, they got Ford as a client. This Ford was holding was one of the big car companies. And this car company said, this is how many we want. Now, the only way they could do it was to start like neglecting all their other customers. So they had like 150 really strong customers and sources of money coming in. They decided to neglect everybody and they put like 95% of their effort into looking after Ford. Ford was with them for about five years and then all of a sudden Ford said, oh, we decided we're going to go uh, and use a company in China and they left. And this company all of a sudden lost 95% of its revenue overnight, went broke and closed up. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal on what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Mike Maloney. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. This is episode 45 and Today we're talking about what I think is perhaps the most central subject to any business, which is all about marketing. My guest today is Dr. Tyson Franklin. Over the past 30 years, Tyson has opened, taken over, relocated, and even sold more than 20 podiatry businesses. So it's all to do with feet. He simply loves business and has written two small business books. He even has his own podcast called It's No Secret with Dr. T. And today he's come on to help us talk about this. What I, again, what I think is the most interesting subject, most central subject, all about marketing. We're going to be looking at the six different pillars that you need to be using for your marketing and how to use them in your industry. Tyson, so glad to have you on the show. You're my favorite Australian as of today, just taking over Crocodile Dundee. Oh, that is fantastic, Clive. It is good to be here. And um, am I the first Australian on your show? I believe you are. Oh, yes. Okay. I was on somebody else's show recently over in America, and they said, and you are officially my second Australian on the show. And I'm like, oh, bugger. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it. So, no, it's good to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about marketing. Well, I know that you've got a lot to contribute, having written two business books. I want to ask you about those in a bit. But really, I think the thing that sparks this off has been a particularly interesting discussion today when we're talking about the six pillars is that there are so many things that we seem to be needing to do at the moment in terms of running marketing. And it's, we think about all the traditional marketing routes, TV, newspapers, articles, radio, telemarketing. We've got all of those still that are about and still are very legitimate today. But now we have the whole new world of marketing in terms of content marketing, email marketing, online marketing. There's so many different routes. And one of the things that I get asked again and again and again is, is what should I be concentrating on? And if you've listened to this podcast before, you probably know that one of my sort of biggest mantras is that you cannot do it all. So the best thing to do is to pick the things that are right for you, focus on those and, and to get really good at those. And today, Tyson, I want to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, before we do, just tell me, look, I'm really curious because you have a quote on the wall behind you. I'm going to find out a little bit about you, but let's just start with that. What is that quote 
And what does it mean to you? Okay, so the quote is, if people can't see it, it's the next connection to be the one that changes your life. And I put that quote up there basically because you don't know who you're going to meet tomorrow, whether it's through social media, through podcasting. It's like you and I talking now. It's the first time we've actually went and we've got a Zoom video going. So it's the first time we've seen each other and we only connected recently on Facebook. So you don't know if that next connection you make is going to be the one that changes your life in one way or another. So you might know somebody that knows somebody that's looking for an expediatrist that has an expertise in, in marketing. And that one connection could be the thing that changes everything. So I just believe it's one of those things that every person you meet, doesn't matter who they are, treat everybody equally. Don't judge them because you don't know if that person is going to be the one that's going to change your life. And, and you can't judge a book by its cover unless it's a self-published book, then sometimes you can. <laughs> that's, that's very true, isn't it? It's true sometimes, yes. It is, it is. But actually, you did a great job on your book covers. Tell us a little bit about the books. Uh, well, the first book was It's No Secret There's Money in Podiatry, and the second book was It's No Secret There's Money in Small Business. And it was something that when I was a kid, I always wanted to be uh, an author. I always, always wanted to be a writer uh, way back in high school. Only problem was I failed English. So, and, and, what it, and it wasn't that I couldn't write. It wasn't that I couldn't come up with ideas. Just my English teacher used to call my parents up and say, I think your son has psychological problems. Have you seen some of the stuff he writes? So I would get failed on English because I would take things just to a completely different level that was too bizarre and outside of what they were classing was normal. So all of a sudden my English teacher convinced me I couldn't write. So I, I stopped writing because I can't write because I failed English. And, but then I always just, always just wanted to write. So I was still writing blog articles and it sort of, I mentioned it to someone that I'd love to write a book. And they said, well, why don't you? No, yeah, why don't I? Yeah, bugger it, why don't I write a book? So it just went from there. And that's, that's how the, the book writing bug sort of started. And oh, it is so satisfying. When, you get, when the book finally arrives in the mail and you have that like bug factor, on your desk like that. So you can write an online book, but nothing beats that thud factor when you actually hit the desk. And I love the smell of pages. Yeah. So that, that was sort of, that was the thing behind it. And it was also one of those things that had a lot of ideas in my head. And I thought, I don't want to die of the music still in there. I want to, I want to leave something behind. So, so my father died when he was 49 and I was only 17. And when I pass away, the memory of him will be gone forever. And I thought, I, I want to leave something behind that will always be here. Now, in 50 years, someone might read my book and go, oh, my God, I can't believe they used to have newspapers. But it, it'll still, there'll still be things that are in my book that are applicable regardless, that, that are evergreen, that are timeless, that don't change. So, yeah, that was the other reason for writing the book is wanting to get something paper. And I reckon I've got about 10 books in my head that will eventually come out over the next uh, 20 years. You've come to the conclusion there are six different pillars yeah. that we all should be looking at within our marketing. Yeah, so before you get to the pillars, I think it's important to look back at what type of business is it that you want? What type of client, patient, or customer are you trying to attract? And, and then you apply the pillars to what it is that you're actually trying to change. So, some people will very quickly go, oh, I want to advertise in the paper. So they're, they're always thinking tactics instead of thinking strategy first. 
So work out where is it that you want to take your business? What is it you want to do next? Then look at the different tactics that are available. So the six pillars all come a part of those tactics. So what I've done is just split marketing up into six pillars. So I mentioned before, if you think of the Parthenon in Greece, you know, you've got this massive big ceiling. And the reason those buildings are still standing is because you've got these massive pillars that are holding it up. So if you picture your businesses like the roof, the ceiling, and the pillars are basically holding up the business. Yeah. And if one of those pillars happens to fall down, it doesn't really matter. You've got the other five pillars there that are keeping it sturdy until you get time to you get the architects in and rebuild that pillar back up again. So tell us about the, the six pillars. Perhaps if you could just give us a quick run through and then we'll, we'll go back and we'll unpick them one by one. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so pillar number one is what I call professional referrers. So that's usually that's very industry specific. So an example would be in podiatry, a physiotherapist or a doctor would be a professional referrer. For an accountant, a lawyer may be a professional referrer or a financial planner. So it's it's very industry specific. That's professional referrers. The second one is what I call non-professional referrers. And that's anybody who is not industry specific. So it's the exact opposite. <laughs> so from a podiatry point of view, it could be somebody who owns a coffee shop. And I've got some good ideas around coffee shops as well. Um, yeah, it could be the local hairdresser, it could be the beautician. It could be the accountant down the road in the water. So it's anybody that's outside of your industry that could potentially refer people to. And I, and I think it's a, it's a really big market that is just, just so neglected. People forget about all the businesses that are actually around them. Pillar three is internal marketing. That's marketing to people who have already walked into your business if you've got a brick and mortar business or that you're marketing to your own database. Uh, pillar number four is external marketing. And that's usually to attract new clients. So that's your, your traditional, and usually it involves spending money, but not always. So it could be TV, you know, radio, newspaper, magazines, letterbox drops. That's all your external marketing. Then you have what we call verbal marketing. So verbal marketing is anything where you're talking. So like what I'm doing right now is verbal marketing. So anything where you open your mouth and you talk to another person, networking event, for example, and then the sixth pillar is online marketing. So anything that involves your online marketing is, uh, is, is, in, is in that particular pillar. So it's your social media, your website. Uh, I think that covers all of that online. <laughs> it's usually social media and websites. But yeah, if you blog articles for different places, it's just anything that involves your online presence, that's pillar number six. And the thing I'll point out is, even though you, you, you've got a big pillar and within each pillar, you've got a whole pile of marketing tactics. And the reason you want to have as many as possible is if one of those tactics falls down, the pillar won't notice it. You've, you've still got a lot of others. So if there were 10 referral sources, give me an example. If you, if you spoke about professional referrals and you had 25 doctors that were referring to your business and one of the doctors gets angry with you and decides to send people the answer the podiatrist down the road, you won't notice one out of the 25. But if you've just got one doctor referring to you and you're so reliant on that one doctor and you neglect everybody else and just look after that one doctor and he decides that he's going to go elsewhere, you will notice it. So you want to get as many referral sources within each pillar. And then the other part is then they cross over with each other. Each of the pillars have links. 
one thing you do in one pillar can also apply to another pillar. And that's, what's, that's what really makes them strong. Right, right. Yeah, I want to get into the detail here. I think it's quite yeah. interesting, though, that you're saying that it's not all eggs in one basket. I think that's a really important point, is that if it is just, say, like your professional uh, your professional referrers, your, your first pillar, yeah. you're right. You don't just want one person. You want a whole bunch of people because, yeah, that one person might might go off or might get upset or whatever. So the same would be true as well with the pillars. So it's not just about within a pillar. It's external it's, it's having more pillars as well so that you're it's i suppose like hedging your bets really well yeah you, you picture yeah just one I, I heard a really good example once and it was about pretty sure it was like one of the it was a um a car manufacturing business over here in australia yep. and they they used to have like 150 clients that they provide bumper bars for or something don't remember the specific details and but all of a sudden they got forward as a client this Ford was holding with one of those big car companies. And this car company said, this is how many we want. Now, the only way they could do it was to start like neglecting all their other customers. So they had like 150 really strong customers and sources of money coming in. They yeah. decided to neglect everybody and they put like 95% of their effort into looking after Ford. Ford was in for about five years and then all of a sudden Ford said, oh, we decided we're going to go uh, and use a company in China and they left. And this company all of a sudden lost 95% of its revenue overnight, went broke and closed up. But they'd been in business for 20 years before that, servicing 150 really good, you know, smaller clients. And to me, that is almost what uh, what inside each pillar should actually look like. You, you can have just one massive referral source or within a pillar, you can have 150 little micro pillars in there. So if a couple of micro pillars disappear, well, you replace them with other micro pillars. That's what really gives it the, the strength. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of things within each pillar. So like I said, for a professional referrer, if you were a, a podiatrist or physio in the health industry, you get 20 doctors in there. You get a 15 physios, you know, six chiropractors, an osteopath, yeah, half a dozen osteopaths. So if some of them moved, you're not going to notice it. You're really, you're really not going to tell. So that, that that's the strength of the pillars. Love it, love it. Yeah, I th I can really see the benefit there, and I I certainly think professional referrers, the the referrals I get are from people like that. And so there's a number of things that you're you're talking about already that I think that yes, this this works in my business. And I can see it works in other people's as well. Well, business coaches, for example, if you're thinking professional referrers for a business coach, would be accountants, financial planners, lawyers, anyone that deals with anybody that anyone that deals with anybody that actually has a business that could need or require coaching is potentially a professional referrer. And then it's identifying them. And then once you do and you build that relationship, it's then nurturing those pillars and smoothing and polishing them and making them look even nicer that they never want to leave because nobody polishes them what you do. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. And um, yeah, I think that with professional referrers, the one thing that I notice is that accountants are, are the one that it seems that B2B businesses chase all the time. They're great referrers because they do have a lot of connections. Yeah. But I also think there's a little bit about that everybody's chasing them, so they're harder to get. Maybe we need to work harder at those referral sources. 
or maybe as well, is that we need to be a little bit more creative. So I know that actually a good referral partner for me is a virtual assistant because oh, yeah. they're dealing with these people all the time and yet they are not being pursued like an accountant is being pursued. Yeah, and I think also if everybody's approaching the accountant is, is how are they approaching them? And can you do something that's different? Yeah, like I showed you before, uh, you know, my bottle of wine for celebrating Australia Day. Because everybody everybody attacks the doctors or the accountants around Christmas time. Hey, here's a gift from you know the business coach down the road on Christmas. Here's a box of chocolates. Here's this, here's that. And even if you do that then, you'll be one of 20, 30 gifts that they may receive, wine, chocolates. But we used to also just celebrate the 15th of April for no particular reason other than nobody else was celebrating that day. And we would send out gifts to our professional referrers saying, happy 15th of April. And we go, you know, and uh, yeah, my business is the uh, approach, but I can we like to do things a little bit different. So we decided we're going to celebrate the 15th of April. And tell you the amount of people would say, that was one of the craziest things we ever saw. That <laughs> a box of chocolates and, and, and balloons would turn up on the 15th of April and we go, for no other reason than it was the 15th of April. So, if people want to get the attention of someone that they think could be a really good referrer, then just do talk to them when nobody else is talking to them. And, and you will actually stand out. You could have the someone sneeze day and celebrate that. Yeah, well, we, we, I'll tell you, the, the, every day of the year is celebrating something. Yeah. You, you can celebrate cheese day. Like I know the um, 18th, no, it's the 16th of August is National Rum Day. So if you know your professional referrer is pretty well, and say you had a professional referrer that potentially could be worth a lot of money to you, and you know that they're a rum drinker, they might have dropped a bottle of rum in on International Rum Day and say, it's International Rum Day. I know you're a rum drinker. I thought you might appreciate this. They will appreciate it. Yeah, or I'm sure I'm sure they'd have to be a whiskey day and bourbon day. And <laughs> it's, I, I know there's a mulled wine day as well. But that's what the casinos do. They know, they identify the people that have got the money that they want to have, well, they want to get business with and they want to attract to their actual casino. So they go right out of the way to make sure that they stand out more than everybody else. And I think in business with their professional careers, we've got to do the same thing. It doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but it just means pay attention to who they are. And if you've never met them personally, then why would they refer someone to you? Sending them a, a, an email once, two years ago, or a letter saying, hey, I've just opened up in business, uh, down the road from you, send me your clients, customers, patients, whatever. They're like, yeah, okay, great. But get off your bum and actually see if you can do have a personal visit with them. When I set up my business on the Gold Coast, even though I knew nothing about what I was doing, made heaps of mistakes, the number one thing I did right, and I also repeated it when I moved to Cairns, and I've done it every practice I've opened, is the first time it took me about six months to do it, I went and made a personal visit to every single doctor, physio, chiropractor uh, on the Gold Coast. Took me a long, it took me a long time to do it, but I went out of my way, made an appointment. Some of them I had to book it three months ahead, and I rocked up and said, Look, I just want to introduce myself. I've opened up a business down here four months ago. It's taken me four months to get in and see you. And I just wanted to put a face to the name. And more than half of them said, you know what? I've never met a podiatrist before. Yet before I came, got to the Gold Coast, there were 12 there before me. So, and, and I'm just using podiatry as an example. It doesn't matter what the business is. If there's people that can refer to you, go and see them. 
Yeah, and when, when you do turn up, even if it's during their lunch break, say, oh, I'll provide the lunch and, and go to Subway and buy some Subway sandwiches and take them for lunch and provide and bring ahead and find out how does everyone like the coffee and go and give them a coffee from their favourite coffee shop. It's, yeah, I don't think it's rocket scientists. It's easy to get through the door if you're prepared to bring food and coffee. Yeah, and actually, that's probably my first question about this. And I've got two really like big questions about this that I really want you to help me out with, if that's okay. The first one is okay. What you're saying is go out and meet people. I get that, yeah. but the question is how? Uh, how do you have that opening conversation? If, like, let's say, if you're coaching me right now to go out, out, away and meet some accountants, <laughs> I know that accountants are busy, and getting in front of them is. For me, it feels like a huge hurdle right now because they don't want to talk to me and they've got no, like, I'm not getting in touch because I need some work from them. So what's in it for them? How do I start that conversation? Okay, so if I was here, if you were the accountant, I'd bring up, and because I'm not going to talk to you, your receptionist is going to answer the phone. Yeah. And I go, yeah, whatever, hey, Mary, hey, Mary, how you doing? Yeah, I'm Tyson, I own such and such coaching business down the road, you you may have heard it. I know I have a few clients that actually use Clive as an accountant. So, and because they talk highly, and I thought oh, it's about time I should make an effort to actually come out and see Clive. So I was wondering if in the next few weeks, as I know he's probably really busy, even if it's a month's time, could you block me in to come and see him during his lunch break? And don't worry, I will bring, food. is there anything he particularly likes? And so I just wait, I'll wait for her to answer. <laughs> she goes, Oh, well, I know he likes uh, kebabs. Just go, okay, is it chicken or beef? Because I can grab a kebab. And is, does he have a favourite coffee shop? Because I can grab a coffee on the way in. He says, oh, I know he likes a coffee from you know, Mary's place down the road. He'll go, okay, I'm going to get a kebab and a coffee. What day suits me? You know, either day is good for me. You know, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday is really good for me. I'll just let you pick a day. She'll book it in. And then that's what you do. It's, I love that. Yeah, and you make it sound so easy. Actually, I was listening because I'm always interested and I'm picking, okay, so what is actually going on here? What you did, you're probably conscious of this, but maybe other people would have missed it, is that you didn't ask, would it be okay to come and meet this accountant? You said, the first question was, what does he or she like to eat? Yeah, that was deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> so... And, and that's good because at this stage here, you're not having to ask for permission, are you? You're, you're asking something that's neutral. And by answering that, he or she is almost kind of... Uh, they've, they've already started the appointment for you. If she said, oh, uh, Clive likes sushi, you go, oh, right, there's a couple of really good sushi places. Do you have sushi yourself? So the idea, is, and I always say in my book, I read in it, look after the golden goose. And the golden goose is the person, is the gatekeeper. It's the... So you, if you're talking to Mary who answered the phone, you go, oh, Mary, I'm coming in. Do you like sushi as well? She goes, yeah, I do, but I'll make sure I get some extra. What, what are your favourite ones? And she goes, oh, yeah, I like the, uh, you know, the corn and avocado. I go, okay, I'll make sure there's corn and avocado in there. And, right. uh, and how, how do you have your coffee? I'm mean, bringing coffee in, you might, I can't neglect you because you've been too nice. And she goes, <laughs> yeah. And you just, that's... It's it to me. It, it's that, and that's how I got in to see every single doctor, physio, chiropractor. It wasn't hard to get in, if especially if you're not rushing for the. You're not saying, "Oh, I've gone around. I want to make a time to to see um, yeah, the accountant." And they're like, "Okay, well, yeah, he's busy, and if he's seeing you, it means he's not seeing a client, so therefore money's not coming in." 
Whereas if you go, look, I know he, he you know, probably has a you know, short lunch break and I don't care if it's a few weeks down the track. Yeah, what, what sort of food does he really like to eat? I'll bring that in when I come in. I'm just assuming they're going to say yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that. That's really good. Yeah, so, and, and that works well, for, you know, like smaller firms. If you've got really big firms, it's a lot harder. So if you, if, you know, if we were going to a medical center and there were, like, say, 10 doctors there, really it's hard to use that approach so we would go along the lines of oh we understand that with the uh, doctors they would have to have meetings every now and then for uh, continuing education and they go yeah okay that's great we thought we thought it'd be great we could come in and provide the lunches there's something that they all eat that you know we could come in and during one of their continuing education sessions we'll provide the education and as well as that we'll provide the food and the coffee yeah. And they go, well, actually, yeah, they get together you know, on a Tuesday and we go, oh, we don't mind if it's a couple of months down the track and we would get booked in that way. So you sort of just had to approach it. You had to be aware that you knew that they probably got together for group meetings. Well, that's great. So for a price of a lunch, you could meet your next professional referral partner. How do you then nurture those people over time so they, so they do actually refer work to you? Okay, the best thing is after you've had the meeting with them, when you get back, you send them a personal letter thanking them for their time. Not an email, not just actually go and get a thank you card or something like that and say, hey, Clive, just want to thank you for your time uh, yesterday. Really appreciate it. It was great to put a face to a name. And if I can ever be of any service, please let me know. And you put that in mail, send it to them. So straight away, they get there a couple of days later. And no one sends handwritten letters these days. So to get that, it's sort of like, oh, that's that's a little bit different. And what you're trying to do is always just be a little bit different. So you, we used to, we would hold, anytime we had an excuse to celebrate somebody in their business, we would, and we would invite professional referrers to come on. You, you can do something as simple as that, especially with accountants and, and lawyers. But we would also, if we were, if there was a business lunch on, if there was a referrer that we were sort of, We'd had a couple of referrers from, and also there was the Chamber of Commerce lunch on and had a speaker coming in. I'd ring up Mary, who likes me now because I bought her sushi. I go, hey, Mary, it's, it's Tyson again. Um, I was wondering, do you know if Clive is going to be free in about four weeks' time? On Tuesday, the Chamber of Commerce, I've got this bloke coming in, and I was wondering if, uh, if Clive wants to join me. I've got a spare ticket. Yeah, can you get back to me today, if, it, if at all possible? And see, once you start doing it, once you've connected with someone like that two or three times, they become friends. They're not just someone that refers people to you. They actually become friendly with you, especially if you can spend lunch with them. And then all of a sudden, it's like the, um, it's the, the law of reciprocation, where you do something nice with someone and they just feel obliged to do something nice back. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you go out to them, you take them lunch, you take them to it, and they don't know that you want their business. But if you're not asking for the business, they sort of feel obliged that they're going to give you the business. So sometimes it's just, it doesn't cost a lot of money to get an extra ticket at a Chamber of Commerce thing if you were going to that. And one good thing, if you're a male, I don't know over there, but we have the Cairns Business Women's Group over here. It's not illegal for men to go. Men can go to these things. You go along to those events, you stand out. Yeah. Especially if there's 200 women in a room and, and three guys. I've heard this before. I've never had the bottle to go to a women's group. Maybe I should. You should. Just uh, grab just grab any woman you know and say, hey, let's go to the, the business women's event. And just go to it. 
And uh, yeah, people will talk to you because you'll stand out. When I when I first used to go to one cans here, yeah, it used to be about three guys and two hundred women. Now there's probably probably 20, 25 guys go on because wow. it's just it, they've got a little bit more um, comfortable with it all. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is funny. Really interesting. Anything else we should know about professional referrals? That first pillar. No, I think that's pretty well covered. The main thing with professional referrals is you've got to, they're trusting you with their clients, customers, or patients. So you've got, they've got to put a face to a name to, you know, just, you know, people need to know, like, and trust you. And when they do that, that they will just, they'll send business your way. But if you're just a, a name on an email or a letter that you sent out and you did it once and you've had nothing to do with them from that point, people will always just, stick with what you used to so if you want to try and break it you've got to go and you've got to see who you are yeah and, and then sort of sort of stay in touch with them so and then if you go the, the second pillar which is the non-professional it's pretty much doing the same thing it just whenever you if you've got an afternoon or a client's cancer and you've got two hours spare you go oh what am we going to do with this time walk out of your business go across the road to the local shopping center and go and talk to everybody let them just let them just going to introduce yourself let them know who you are just walk in have a look at the shop say hey do you are you the manager do you own the business and you can usually pick it within about a minute if they own the business and if they say oh, i own the business go oh right you know nice to meet you i've been here a few times and uh you know i've got a business just down the road then they'll our politeness will say oh what business do you have you go oh i have a coaching business and it just <laughs> the conversation just goes from there and the thing is, you're not passing out a business card. You're not telling them that you want the business. You don't want them to even send you any business. You're just letting them know that who you are. And then you just keep going back there. You just keep, the, the idea is to put a face to a name, put a face to a name. So if somebody went, geez, I need to get a business coach. You're the first one that pops into their head. Well, actually, there's been this guy uh, called Clive that I met. And... Uh, yeah, he's been there. Yeah, I spoke to him. He's got a business down the road. It's called such and such. Then they'll, they'll start referring the people to you. But the other thing you can actually do is what, remember, and we we're talking about coffee shops. I said, I've got an idea around coffee shops. Yeah. That if you've got a coffee shop close to your business, go down the coffee shop, give them $50 and say, and pick the people that you want this to go to. You might say, the next 10 men that walk in here wearing suits, or the next 10 women that walk in wearing a power suit. I want to buy their cup of coffee for them. Now, if you're in the coffee shop, you might go and sit in the corner and say, all I want you to do is say, oh, no need to pay that. Tyson Franklin over there who, um, yeah, the host of Bits and Seat with Dr. T podcast, uh, he's bought your coffee today. And uh, here's his card. And they don't have to give a card. They can just say the name and give them a coffee. If you're not there, they can say, oh, this coffee was paid to you today by uh, you know, Tyson Franklin. They can put a business card in with the coffee. It's one of the cheapest bits of average. And you can really target the patient, the person that you want. So you might say the next 10 ladies that come in, come through, you know, after 10 o'clock but before two wearing active wear. Who aren't yeah. sweating. That means you're just wearing it for the hell of it. Yeah, or you might say the next lady, you know, lady that comes in with children or the next man that comes in uh, with a daughter. You, you, you pick the person and, yeah, the next... So it's 10 cups of coffee. It's just a cheap, uh, to me, it's a cheap form of advertising. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. Creative. It's not pushy, but it does get you out there, get, gets you connected. I think at the end of the day, what you're doing is looking to start conversations. Um, yeah. Those are ways to do it. 
Well, I know if I walked into a coffee shop and I bought a coffee and they said, Oh, no need to pay. This is this coffee's been sponsored today by uh, you know, Clive, and he's over there in the corner. I go, Oh, I'd, I'd give you a wave at least, at minimum, I would give you a wave. But I'd probably walk in and go, Oh, Clive, how are you doing? Thanks for the coffee. And you go, Yeah, yeah, no problem. And if you were sitting there by yourself, I would probably, because I'm a bit, a bit more forward than most people, I'd say, Oh, go over sit here and join you. <laughs> I'd probably sit there and just start talking. Because I might really feel that, I, mean, I just believe the next connection you make will be the one that changes your life. It goes back to that, the thing of the wall. I, if someone did that with me, I'd be going, that was such a cool idea. I want to talk to you about it. Yeah. And, and I'm all about just, you know, sort of connecting with people. Yeah, I very much suspected that that quote on the wall behind you was going to be something very central to this. So, um, yeah, and you're right. I, I totally agree with it. Yes, you never know who the next person and how they will affect your life going forward for the better. So love that. So we've covered so far professional referrals, which is the first pillar, and then yeah. the, the referrals from anyone who's not industry specific. So if anybody else who may be able to pass you work, that would be the second one. Now your third one is internal marketing. Tell us what yeah, that's so, about. Yeah, so internal marketing, if you're got a brick and brick and mortar business there's still a lot of brick and mortar businesses around um to me it's, it's everything you do within that business that markets to people that are already they're already clients or customers or patients or they've just walked in so they're going to be now they're, they're inside your business the amount of people that yeah they go oh geez i wouldn't mind getting more um we should get more facebook reviews or google reviews and you told these people that you even have a facebook page or uh, yeah, like that they should be you know looking up Google. So you can put signage around. Any like I always say, there shouldn't be anything on your wall within your business that isn't either promoting something about your business or something about you, which creates a conversation piece. So you know you walk into someone's office and there's a there's a painting of a landscape, and you go you look at you go oh is that a famous artist? No, where'd you get the painting from? Oh I don't know it was here when we moved into the building. You know, okay, well, that's a big piece of wasted space. So you can even, we're, like we're talking on video, you can see behind me, I've got the logo of my podcast on this side. And then on the other side of me is the three, 365 hour challenging I was telling you about before. So when you walked into my podiatry business, every wall was promoting something about my business or something about me personally that I could create a conversation with. So if, like if, say the, if somebody had done uh, walked up to the base camp of, um, Mount Everest, and you've got a photo there with all the locals. Put a picture of that up and walk. It's a great conversation piece. So, so they get to learn a little bit about you because the more people get to know about you, the more they know, like, and trust you, the more they'll come back and the more they'll refer. But I think just having any pictures on the wall that are just there taking up space, and, and even like a, a tele, you know, if you have a television in, in your business, it's a great way to promote other services that you offer. So, to so say you can never assume that everybody in your business knows everything that you offer. And I learned this the hard way. When I had this, you know, so podiatrists make orthotics, they go inside shoes. So this girl that I was making her insert, yeah, when she was about six, and then for about 14 years, I'd know the family really well. I'm going to a wedding in a couple of months' time. Anyway, she came in my clinic to get a new pair of inserts. She went, oh, I had nail surgery done. I went, oh, who did that? She went, oh, the GP really butchered it. I said, why did you get the GP? Your doctor to do the nail surgery when I could have done it for you. She went, I didn't know you did that. 
I thought you just made the products that went in the shoes. So because her only thing she's ever seen when she's come into my business has been that, and she's bumped into other patients and that's what they were there for, totally unaware that we actually did nail surgery. And that was a really good learning, yeah, learning curve for me that you, you've got to be letting people know. So and that's where your internal, uh, how you do your internal emails and yeah, email newsletters. And I always think, even if you're giving a receipt to a patient, if you're printing out a receipt and handing it to them, on the back of that receipt should have some sort of marketing about your business. Yeah, you're going to get them all pre, pre-printed. It runs through your printer and they might have the price there, $150, and they flip it over and there's what this month's special is for something that you're doing within your business. So that works really well for brick and mortar businesses. If someone's got an online business, it's really, it's your database. Your database is gold and you, you've got to have an email newsletter. You've got to be sending out emails. You've really got to protect that database and, and keep it up to date and make sure it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Your ability to have and grow a business is very dependent on your ability to have grown sustained relationships and yeah. your database of the key people that you know. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, I'm picking up a couple of things from you here. You know, in terms of the market, this is current, past clients, and people in your personal network. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's um, so like your internal marketing, and this is where I was talking about before. Your pillars cross over with each other. So you'll have your database, but your professional referrers are also on that database. Yeah. So so you're maintaining contact with them. They're, they're all part of your of the internal marketing process, which sort of goes onto your online uh, process as well, but we won't, we won't jump into that category straight away. Yeah. But it, it really is, it, it's just, it's nurturing. And, and it's also, yeah, recalling clients or something, reactivating your yeah, clients that have sort of, you, you've been with them, they've sort of disappeared, but you need to pull them back in again. Yeah. So yeah, I always think it's, it's recall, reactivate, and reignite. It's like the three R's to sort of get things going. Oh, that's good. That's recall, reactivate, and, yeah, and, and reignite. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And I was picking up as well as you were talking there, there seems to be two major things that you're looking to do. One is to deepen trust, and another is to educate them. And I suppose a third thing would be to get perhaps old clients back on board. Yeah, because a lot of people, they just, um, you know, oh, we'll make another appointment for you. Oh, yeah, hang on, I've just got to go home and just check my schedule. And they get home and they get home, and, yeah, when they get home, the, uh, the dog has run over. Oh, they've got to go to the vet. And then, you know, and then the dog died, the whole family's upset. And then they get back and then, you know, the kids got exams on and then oh, the wife's been called to you know, work center away for a week. So then all of a sudden there's pressure on him to get the kids to school and do his job. One week goes to a month, goes to three months. They didn't mean not to call you, it just life got in the way. And they're the people who've got to sort of reactivate. If you've got a system in place to do all that, and that's where like a lot of this marketing, a lot of people have really bad systems in their business. And sometimes they, they focus a lot on marketing, which is really important, but you need to get your systems in place prior to doing too much marketing because there's no point having 100 people come into your business tomorrow and 100 of them leaving and spending nothing because you didn't have the systems in place to capture them. So as you're doing your marketing, if you're noticing there's big holes and leaks and you're losing you know, clients and, and customers, then you're going to start patching them up before you, you go spending a lot of money or, or time in your marketing. 
that's a whole that's a whole other conversation <laughs> yeah 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 i think that there's a like a scattergun approach that a lot of us do and uh, yeah one of the first things i often get people to do is to actually put together a keep in touch strategy and a way to work key relationships and i said you know, suppose that's what this is about here so pillar number three is internal marketing does, does that cover that or should we move yeah, on to yeah. now we'll go to number four because i know we've only got certain amount of time so pillar number four is external marketing it's everything usually they're trying to attract new you know uh, clients in your business so and that's your classics your newspaper your radio television magazines you know mentioned that before but you don't always have to spend money in those areas if you can be clever you can write articles. You can write articles for magazines and get in there for free. You can yeah. write editorials for newspapers and just say, "Hey, I've got an editorial. Send it in." If your business has done something different as a milestone, if there's something that's newsworthy, you can get a new a media release done. And in most businesses or business types, that you know, I can put I to reach that Foot Health Week. I know there's Mental Health Month. I know there's you know Small Business Week. See if you can get on the radio, it's a, you know, especially talkback radios. See if you can get on as a, as a regular person. So when I used to have my business, I used to go on the radio station every Saturday morning without fail for about five years. I sold my business the last business two years ago. Haven't known the podiatry clinic, yet I still go on the radio station probably every three weeks. And I talk on the radio with the same guy and I don't pay anything for it. But I go on the now, I just talk about different things. I talk about podcasting, actually. Okay. So, but it, it's that relationship that I've built up with him that even after I sold my business, he goes, Do you miss having you at the station? Do you want to come in every couple of weeks and just, just chew the fat, just talk about anything? Like, yeah, okay. So, whenever I'm, I'm bored on a Sunday morning, I just ring him up and say, Can I come in? He goes, Yeah, okay. So, that's all about building those relationships with people. Yeah, it's what they say, dig the world before you get thirsty. Love it. Love it. What's the key takeaways for external marketing? If we're going to get this right, what's the key things we must be doing to get this working for us? I think the key part with external marketing is you, you need to, there's a lot of noise out there. So most external marketing, you've got to spend money. So if you're going to go in the newspaper, you're spending money. If you're going to go down that path, which is probably, out of all the pillars, it's probably one of the, it's a path I've used a lot to build my businesses and it's worked really well but you really need to know who you're targeting when you do it. Just putting a, a general ad in the paper and going, oh, ABC, whatever, and we do this and we're beige just like everybody else is usually a waste of money. You've got to be really targeted and then look at what is it, what is it that you're advertising and with how much you're about to spend on that ad regardless of where it is, how can you get that money back? Because I've seen people... Yeah, marketing, uh, you know, a $5 toothbrush and they're paying $2,000 for the ad. And there's a lot of toothbrushes you need to sell to get your money back. So is the thing that you're marketing really worthwhile or do you need to sell 400 of them to get the money back for the ad? It's just not worth it. So I think some people, you got to sit back and look at what are you about to spend? And if you're going to spend that money, just make sure they're big ticket items. But really work on getting on there for free first. That's that's the main thing. Yeah. So two key things here is that one is you've got to know how you're going to measure it. So what does success look like? How will you measure that? Because you can't work out your ROI if you don't know how you're going to measure that. And that might be as simple as ask clients when they come in where they heard about you. Yeah. Um, 
but you, you need some way of knowing that so that you know whether your marketing is effective. And the other thing that's just come out of a, a recent conversation that I had with somebody who's right in the early stages of build, building the business is that sometimes they worry about like spending the money out. Will it work? Will it not work? And I think the thing is the best way to do that is to, to set yourself a marketing budget and your job is to spend it every single month, yeah. spend your marketing budget. And when you've got that budget there and you are committed to spending it, there's no guilt involved in that. You just got to follow it through because you thought that budget through sensibly in the first place. Yeah. We used to take 10% of our gross turnover and that was for marketing. Yeah. But other good external marketing and sponsoring certain teams, sponsoring yeah different different events they they can work well if it's your if it's your target market if you go up a pillar to the internal marketing you can do internal marketing surveys to your yeah if you identify your best clients and you send them surveys and go hey which newspaper do you read if you read the newspaper yeah do you listen to the radio if you do what station do you read this magazine you can ask them the questions and they might go don't read the newspaper don't listen to the radio, you know, only the ABC. And uh, yeah, I love this magazine. So they're telling you straight away, if you want more of those people, that's where you actually put your time and effort into. So it's a good way of doing an internal marketing survey to find out about external marketing. Oh, excellent. Loads of good stuff coming out here. So that's external marketing. We've got two left. Verbal marketing, I think one of my favorites. Tell us about that. Yeah. Okay, so verbal marketing is anything where words come out of your mouth. So verbal marketing, podcasting, you know, being a guest on other people's podcast is a brilliant way of promoting yourself and what you do. And networking events is, networking events used to be my all-time favorite things to do. And when I built my podiatry clinics, some of the people I met at some of the earliest networking events were still the patient 28 years later when I sold the last business. So yeah, it was quite funny. and. But organising speaking gigs at uh, different, you know, where they're, they're not, and I'm not talking about paid speaking gigs. These are just if you've got Rotary in your local area, Rotary will meet um, once a week, usually for 50 weeks of the year. So therefore, they need 50 speakers, and most towns will have more than one Rotary group. So there's heaps of opportunity to get out there and talk about what it is that you you do. Not sales yeah not salesy you're not there just to sell them you're there to offer information and if they're interested they'll come to you and ask for more information yeah so yeah verbal marketing is just is really just getting any time and i i like i must admit i used to be petrified to do public speaking i mean i i managed to get through primary school high school and university without ever giving a talk i just wouldn't turn up but yeah, just give me zero i'm not even going to turn up for it and <laughs> The amount of doors that were open to me that I, I never opened because I was too scared to speak. And then all of a sudden, I think I was in my late 30s or something like that, that I just went, you know what? I'm going to start, I've got to get better at this. And and I, I kicked myself. I looked at all the opportunities I missed because I was too afraid to just go and get better at public speaking. And you've got to start somewhere. So I started it absolutely horrid and <laughs> just worked my way out from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you start where you're at. It's a brilliant way to market your business. And I think the thing is, you can look at a lot of different ways to market your business, but public speaking, whether it's public speaking or just one-on-one or a podcast like this, 
Um, You can warm people up and you can deepen trust a lot quicker than you can in a lot of other, say, online strategies and and different things that you can do that doesn't involve you speaking. People get to know you. And so, yeah, that's one of the, the biggest reasons I like it is the fact that you build trust quickly. From a sales perspective, you get people to move that much closer to a sale simply through having a conversation. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people, even with marketing, regardless of what pillar, you've got, to, you've got to be playing the long game. Especially public speaking. You get, like, I, I know that I've gone to places and I've done a talk. And like, we have a, a, there was a, a business award thing called the Telstra Business Awards. And I won it back in 2003. And it was a really big deal at the time. So soon after, I got a lot of speaking gigs very quickly uh, in the local area and all that. So I remember one I did up in the Tablelands and I did this talk, but then something came into my business 10 years later. And I said, how did you find out about this? I said, I was actually at this function where you were you were speaking at. And it just sort of stuck, you said it just stuck in my head and then all of a sudden I had a sore foot and I went, I need to come and see you. That's the power of public speaking. You, you can just ignite something in somebody that just sits there for a long period of time. And when they're ready, you're, you're always going to be top of mind because they'll, they'll remember that speech that you did. So it's like a good way of you can go and talk to 100 people one-on-one 100 times or you can talk to 100 people at one time. Sure, that makes sense. Excellent. And you might want to check out episode 42 with Kayla Conley. Uh, actually, as I record this with Tyson today, episode 42 is just being launched. Uh, it's a really great interview there where she's talking about public speaking and gives you a structure for doing your own talk. Um, lots of tips there, so check that out. So that's episode 42. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, but we have one final pillar to go through, and that's online marketing. Before we get to that, I know that there's going to be some people who wanted to connect with you. Tell us a little bit about, about how they can do that. And I know that, actually, since people are listening to a podcast right now, you've got a podcast. Tell us how they can get to that as well. Okay, well, on all podcast platforms, all you got to do is look for It's No Secret with Dr. T. And all you can listen to podcasts through my website. Just go to TysonFranklin.com. And if you go forward slash podcast, we just go to the website. You'll find the podcast link uh, pretty quickly. Or you can stalk me on Facebook, Tyson E. Franklin. I think there's only one of me. And, and Twitter, Instagram and all that, it's uh, TysonFranklin66. Right. Okay. What we'll do is we'll get all of those links and we'll put them on the show notes page. I'll write everybody about that at the end. But let's cover the last pillar, which is online marketing. Tell us about that, Tyson. Okay. The big one. So online marketing is everything you do online, pretty much. All your platforms. So your big four, you've got your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, and LinkedIn. So depending on the type of business that you're doing, and like we say, you can't be good at every single platform. So pick the ones that are going to work best for you and get really good at them. And when you get really good, then start tinkering with the next one and improve your skills in that area. So if you've got a business that's very visual, then of course, Facebook and Instagram are going to be the probably the two biggest ones. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, but then I know other people that absolutely love Twitter. It's, that's all they do. They tweet constantly all day. And LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, you know, more along, it's like Facebook for business. You're not there to, your baby photos up, you're not there to show the pie that you just, it's really a connection through business. So for some people that can work really, really well. But everything you do, no matter what platform you touch on, the big four, 
might touch on Pinterest or, or something like that. The goal is to direct everything back to your website because your website is your mothership. If I was doing some into all our internal marketing, we would always have a website with anything that we were actually sending out. If we had a newspaper go, if there was a rate, you know, any, any area, we would be trying to direct people back to a website because the more people know about your website, the more they're going to go and check it out after hours. And, and I think the best thing you get, people are always talking about, oh, you know, should I have AdWords and you know, should I spend money on AdWords and should I be paying a company to do my SEO? And I sit there, someone just shaking my head and I'm going, if you just write really good content on a regular basis and you do it far more than all your competitors, you will be found on page one. You don't, you won't have to be paying an SEO company to get you found. You will just be, you will get found by providing the information. Or what they say, just answer the question that's going on in your client's head. If you can do that, then that's one of the best things you do. So, so the last pillar online marketing is really, that's just something that they always say, if a business doesn't have a website, then you don't have a business. That's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And one of the exercises I often do with people is that it's kind of brings to the point where you were saying earlier about like it's all driving people to your website is that what I do is I get people to perhaps it's on a whiteboard or a piece of flip chart or whatever. I'll get them to write all the, the different assets that they've got in their business, yeah. the, the different marketing channels. Um, and then I say, okay, join the dots. And often people don't, Think about that. Like, how does one thing lead to another? And that's what we've got to be thinking about. If I'm doing this activity, whether it's network or whatever, where does it connect with everything else? And like people's first answer is, well, it like to sales. And it might not be. So I don't do the podcasting for sales. I do it to build community. That's yeah. like the primary reason. And, and maybe somewhere down the line, somebody's going to like me and be interested in what I'm saying, then they'll look at more, maybe they'll join my Facebook group. But you know, and if, if sometime down the road there might be sales. But you've got to look at what that buyer's journey is. And I think that that's you're quite right. Everything you do online needs to go to your website. With six different pillars, there's a lot that can be done there. Yeah. Final question to you, Tyson, before we wrap this up. Where do we start? Give us, like, if you, give us one or two actions that will get us started on these six pillars, would you? Okay. To, to me, before you even touch the pillars, is know who your ideal client is, like we said before, whether you call it your avatar. You've really got to know who it is that you're targeting and you want to know what type of business is it that you want to build. When you know those two questions, then go and find the tactics that are going yeah, you may not look at them as pillars, but I just I like the idea of every business should be trying to do something in each one of those pillars. But each week you might give a little bit of focus to one pillar over another one just to, to sort of drive it home a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's the, the first step is knowing who it is that you want and what type of business you want to build. When you know, and if you're thinking, hey, but which is one thing that I can go and do, make sure your website is up to date. Yeah, if your website's five or six years old and you haven't touched it for five or six years, so a lot of people go, I need a website, they build it, they put it in, they don't come back to it for five years. Your, your website is dead, you just don't realize it. I just got my new website just updated last week and there's so much in the background, I've still got to finish off it a bit. It's still a bit wonky switching over from the other one. But my other website was only, was about four years old. 
So usually I'm replaced, I've updated my website every four years because things, things are so, things are just changing so fast. Yeah. But that'd be my best tip for people is get on your website. And if you haven't touched it for five years, get in there, tidy it up, make sure it's accurate, make sure you've got the right address and, and update photographs of what you look like. Yeah, because there was one person I knew in particular, they still had the same photo from about 30 and they were like now in their late 50s. And <laughs> I'm just going, oh, I never knew you when you looked that good. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I don't let on much that, um, like the picture that I've got on the podcast, actually, that's uh, that's 20 years old. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm old and grey. And <laughs> oh, same as me. I, I never wanted my photos in my book because I said, yeah, as my hair keeps falling out, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a progression of um, my hair disappearing. <laughs> Love that. So, so two really um, good actions to get going. Start with thinking about who your avatar is. Really work yeah. that out and get it written down on paper. I'm telling you, it does not count unless you write it down on paper. And then the second thing is, which actually reminds me of, of the interview that I had with Bob Buckley um, back on episode 18, when he asked the question, what will people find when they look you up online? Um, and yeah. so that's your website. It's also your social media profile. Make sure they're all up to date. That's... that's uh, that would be a good place to start. Tyson, thank you so much for today. Yeah, I want to share one more thing. It's like you just said then about people looking online. Yeah. yeah, I've asked people, what type of podiatry business do you want when they have podiatry businesses or physio clinic or dental clinic? And they tell you, and I go, okay, if I went online, could I find enough evidence? If what you wanted to really do was illegal, could I find enough evidence online to convict you for life? Oh. Okay, and if you can't, then you're not doing it very well. Because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I just want to do, say, dentist, oh, I just want to do more, um, you know, crown and bridge and, uh, you know, perio work, whatever, all the dental terms. And you go, okay, well, if I went online and really searched it, could I find enough evidence to convict you? And most of the times, I can't. You're going to get off. Wow. And, and that lets them know that, okay, geez, that's the per sort of personal client that I want. And you can't find any evidence to convict me. Maybe I need to put a bit more into my put more content out there. Yeah, actually give my opinion and comment on a few things. So that's my final tip. What a brilliant place to stop there is. Uh, yeah, great way of looking at it. <laughs> is there enough evidence there to convict you for it? Love it, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Bryson, thank you so much for today. We're going to be back next week with some more tips and strategies around growing your business. If you want to find out more, if you want to get in touch with Tyson, if you want to check out his podcast, I recommend you do. I was listening to it this morning. It's actually very, very good. Uh, then do go to our show notes page. Links for everything is there. And the show notes page is getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 45. Um, thanks very much for being here today. We'll see you again next time. Until then, take care of yourself. Cheers to you and your highly successful business.